Howdy Disco Citizens and welcome to the Metaphorical Boat Podcast. I'm your captain, Christopher McBride. The Metaphorical Boat is a podcast where we sit down with our favourite musicians to ask them about their music, their inspirations and most importantly, how they take their tea. Today I'm joined by Strabane-based singer-songwriter Darren Doherty. Darren Doherty first came to our attention as a member of the alt-rock group A Northern Light and has now released material under his own name and released his first album What You Do earlier this year and is ready to release his follow-up EP The Travel Companion Volume 1 very soon and I'm glad to be joined by Darren Doherty. Darren, thanks a lot for coming on board the Metaphorical Boat. Not a problem at all. It's actually quite nice because we've had a few people on the podcast before who've name-dropped you. Lauren uh-huh. Bird mentioned you and so did uh, Derry Norman whenever we had him on the show. So it's kind of nice to have yeah, you on the podcast a, a lot. Absolutely, but a continuity there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not delighted to be here. Thanks very much. Yeah. Firstly, all our guests on the Metaphorical Boat podcast are treated to a nice drink and a bun or biscuit of their choice. So, Dan, what have you gone for today? Well, gone for my tea. Yeah, <coughs> of course, absolutely. And I went for a Chinooks tea cake. Oh, that's a good combination. I think so, um, not just on the name. I've always been partial to them. Um, I like biscuits and, you know, bars that have something in the middle, you know, yeah. that take a bit of work to get to. Although, yeah. in fairness, there's not a lot of work in tea cake, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I've gone for my usual, which is a nice cup of coffee and my favourite cake, which is, of course, Battenbergs, because you cannot go wrong with those. So, Darren, first question, who is Darren Doherty? My therapist was asking me that other area as well. <laughs> I, I'm a 32-year-old singer-songwriter um, from Strabane. I spent, well, 13 years living in Belfast um, in the music scene during what now seems like, a, uh, when you look back, a very exciting time to be in Belfast, you know. Um, I've been writing songs since I was 11 years old, and I suppose most very recently I've gotten around to taking it quite seriously. That's good. So you say you write your first song when you were 11 years old. What mm. was it that got you into music in the first place? Well, my mum's side of our family. Well, my mother, really, actually. Uh, I suppose she was crazy about music. And uh, when it was just me, her, me and her in the house, you know, I suppose she was playing me an awful lot of music and she would often talk me through, uh, from a very young age, like, you know, the, the meaning of the of the lyrics. Uh, I remember Cat Stevens' father and son being taught through yeah. that at a really young age, you know. Uh, so that was, she was instrumental, absolutely instrumental. She was very passionate. It was where I got the idea that music is an end in itself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's enough sort of... Uh, you know, it, it can be a really large part of your personality. But my granddad uh, and a lot of my uncles and everybody were musicians locally, were playing bars. It was primarily country music. Yeah. My granddad was actually, he was called John Rouse, but he loved Hank Williams so much. His name was actually on his gravestone. It's Hank Rouse, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. with, with an awesome quote. So I, in my house, it was, you know, I didn't have to travel too far to, to get good yeah. tunes, you know. So whenever you were starting to write music, would it have been country-influenced or would you have looked at influences elsewhere? No, well, when I started, I'm of the age that Oasis had a, yeah. a big impact, you know. So it was me and a good friend, Peter Doherty. We uh, started learning guitar, we were crazy about Oasis, and we immediately really uh, started writing songs. The very, very first one, I can still recall, was called Fly Away. 
play. Oh my god, <laughs> and uh, I could actually still play it. It's <laughs> terrible. But <laughs> did you still play it? Did anything happen to it, or was it just all? Oh, no, I just for some reason it's still in my memory, you know. But I god, no, I wouldn't be playing it. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> so you mentioned that the Oasis were a bit of an influence on you straight away. What other sort of artists would have been influential on you at that time? Um, we were Peter's older sister, Kira. Um, she was at university, so we were 11, 12 year old, and so we were pillaging from her record collection. She had Throne Copper by Live, uh, August Nevering After by The Counting Crows. Uh, they were two enormous records, and uh, they still are, to be honest. It's funny, uh, I think at that particular age, things are so influential to you, you know? And there was also Lance Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Uh, so they were so it was like the, the early 90s mid 90s alt rock was big yeah, on you definitely definitely yeah what is your favourite song ever and normally when I ask this question I try to subdivide it into two okay. your favourite ever song and your favourite ever Beatles song because the Beatles wrote so many great songs right that's fair that's a fair point right well my favourite piece of music my favourite piece of music is Echoes by Pink Floyd so uh, all 23 minutes of it okay because <laughs> that was a that was a like a moment in my life where my life changed and Pink Floyd are probably still my number one I, I like so many different types of music I almost consider them different it's almost like uh, especially progressive music I almost consider it its, its own field you know because can you really compare 23 minutes of echoes to you know a two minute pop song yeah yeah they've got different qualities like so um, I would go on the other side of it if I'm allowed to pick two I would say <laughs> Orestes by a perfect circle. Uh, that would be that's probably I'd say that's my favourite song. Yeah. And as far as the Beatles thing goes, I'm not like a Beatles denier or anything like yeah. that. Not at all. I, <laughs> it wasn't at home. Now, now Mum never played the Beatles. It would have been much more Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Queen, the Police, um, and then the country music that you know I'd been exposed to. But I did when I was in my mid twenties. Obviously, go and find them. But I don't hold them in such reverence as yeah. a lot of people would. Like you know and. I, I was thinking about this, right? And because uh, yeah. uh, people get aghast, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, like the Beatles, and I'm like, they're awesome. Don't get me wrong, and there's so much to like about them. But I think I, I like really emotional music, you know, like really emotional music, yeah. like. And the Beatles seems very quintessential British stuffer up upper lip yeah. type of thing. I think the Beatles sort of, by and large, carry off their music like that on from an emotional level to me anyway. So that's a long-winded yeah. way of saying I like a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when, when would have been the first time that you were involved in a band that were doing serious stuff? I suppose from this point onwards, it's my journeys tied up with my best friend, Omar Ben Hassin. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, we were, the first band we were in together was when I was 18. Uh, it was called Odium Halo. Uh, we were based yeah. in Oma. Once we got into Tool, everything changed. Yeah. And uh, we started a band called Odium Halo with two guys from the Oma area. And, um, and we wrote nine minute songs, man. And, uh, you know, they're all still, it's all on YouTube, still and everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, some some of it I'm still quite proud of, you know. It's, it's funny, it's a long way from Oasis. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we give it a good old go, like, you know, and, you know, we, we tried our best at the time to make the best music we could to present it the way we wanted to. We had very ambitious idea wise, you know. The first EP we released was a. Uh, a three-part song, a uh, concept song called The Beautiful Part. I'm, I'm a real sucker for that, the conceptual thing, you know, and yeah. uh, and the idea of thematics and recurring themes. Being a Pink Floyd fan, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? That's uh, It's not that surprising, really, you know. So when did that come a Northern Light? There's a band in between, actually. Um, it was called Tapasaya. And we were based in Strabane, actually, and then me and Omar took it to Belfast. That's when I moved to Belfast. Yeah. Again, that was a wee bit more streamlined version of what we were doing in Odeo Milo. 
you know, it was still quite heavy, but it was always very melodic. And we did an awful lot of playing about. We toured England and all, uh, made some good friends doing that. And we give that a good shot as well. And that was when we met the lads in the Plastic Rose and Clenzo Parade and yeah. the, the Rupture Dogs. And then, eventually then, long story short, there was a, we knocked that in the head and took like nearly two years out. And then it was actually going to see Clenzo Parade one night in the limelight and just seeing the amount of fun the boys were having being in a band together. I was just like, I want to be in a band with my friends again, man. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And at this point, like me and Omar are massive Blink-182 fans. Tom DeLonge had uh, already released Angels and Airwaves, the first two records, which I was completely obsessed with. And that became sort of the type of band that we wanted to set up for Northern Light. Yes. You know, the one that was larger than life, you know, and uh, was that was trying to write positive music. Yeah. You know? So it was the aim of Northern Light to make something a bit more... You're trying not to Almost. say accessible. Well, actually, that's what I was going to say, actually. <laughs> um, um, no, it more streamlined. It wouldn't be the aim, no. Uh, no, I'm, I can put my hand in my heart and say, no, that was never... It was just that our tastes had changed. You know, um, I think, it, you know, I didn't start off listening to prog music. You know, um, I, I got into prog music when I was about 17. And then that lasted about 10 years. But I think my journey, in a way, has been that once you go and you explore nine minute and 12 minute songs and learn how they work and, and appreciate them and go through you know different stages and that, ultimately as a songwriter, I ended up coming back around and going, what about the song? You know, like the, you know, your quintessential pop song, you know, that pop structure. And I became, I started listening to No Gallagher again at that point, going back over to, you know, maybe my roots and the, the things that got me into music. And, I just uh, that became my obsession, which is still lasting to now, really. Yeah. Uh, which is about trying to write a really, really powerful song. Yeah. Well, as a me- member of Northern Night, you have uh, released two of what I think are my favourite local songs from oh, the past five years, which were "Kill It" and "Paranoia," uh-huh. which I much. I absolutely loved. When I first heard "Kill It," I think I described it as sounding as like "Enter Shikari, only good," because <laughs> <laughs> I. I, <laughs> I know what yeah. you mean actually I, 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 in a weird way I sort of know what you mean because see when they came on the scene I was like I really like what you're doing but your song's crap yeah. <laughs> like, you know, do you know what I mean like, yeah. and I loved the energy around the band them first few videos and all you know the real DIY uh, local scene and you know you, and I thought we were sort of living in something very similar you know well look, that's I'm going to take that yeah. we, should, we should make a t-shirt of them that. Yeah. but uh, no thanks very much man uh, we're very the reason I'm so keen on Kill It is me and Omar have been working together for so long. But generally it was just in the quintessential way of me as a songwriter would bring a song and then we would arrange it together in the band. And he always had strong feelings about, you know, uh, musically how it should be presented, of course, you know. But that song was different because that was the beginning of something else. Uh, at that point, he had already educated himself in electronic production and uh, had become a songwriter himself. Yeah. And he presented me with pretty much th- that track. You know, and rather than being, uh, you know, creative, I was being reactionary, okay, yeah. for the first time really in our songwriting relationship. So he presented me with that, so then I reacted and wrote uh, vocals and guitar to it. So it really felt to me like it was our co-written piece. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I felt that gave it an extra special property. And what I kind of like about it is there's some people who can do rock songs very good and some people who can do electronic music very well. Well, it's very hard to meld the two together. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're you're always trying to do? Trying to meld those together? Yeah, <clears throat> trying to meld them together for sure. It came from again me and his interests. You know, uh, at the end of the day, I was good at playing rock guitar and singing melodies, 
and his thing was he loved beats and also he comes from a real strong love of Michael Jackson and yeah. Quincy Jones you know he'd sort of fallen out of love of rock music really to be honest with you you know and got really into drum and bass and EDM in general and that yeah so I suppose it was and as I say I always think that if you're working with somebody it's it's all about the compromise. And then when you're talking about drum and bass, that kind of leads into Paranoia, which yeah. came out last year, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. It's almost like Pendulum, that sort of yeah. rock, but with the dance beats in it. Exactly, that's exactly that. We, we, massive Pendulum. Uh, he's an enormous Pendulum fan. I love Pendulum as well. That would have, funnily enough, that's that's his influence on me because what happened there was I I, read, I came up with the chorus and you know of Paranoia in the house on the acoustic guitar just. And maybe he had trained me, <laughs> so the, rather than think about it like I could have, which is just sort of a pop punk song, but rather than think about it that way, I immediately thought, well, oh, that real, you know, jangly acoustic guitar with the drum and bass, the drum and bass beat, you know, that will be that's what suits our band. So then we went we went that way with it. But I yeah, I'm very keen on that song as well. I think it's a real good song, you know. Look, I, I really wanted. I thought Parano would be like a big hit, mm. like getting picked up by en- like Enemy Kerrang. Yeah, but. Uh, wasn't to be at the time, yeah. you know. No, I wish it happened because it just. Well, yeah. Happen. Well, in fairness, now we didn't get play on Radio One. That uh, to be honest, it's just about timing more than anything else. I suppose this does now sort of tie into where I'm at. The reality of the situation is, and I'm sure if you spoke to a lot of musicians from this country, is that we didn't try hard enough. That doesn't mean we didn't try at all. We did. We sacrificed. We put money and time and and all the rest of it, but it wasn't enough, and it wasn't even nearly enough. And that's the sad reality of it. Uh, then life gets in the way, you know, as it often does. What happened really then with the band was I moved to Scotland and then uh, had a mental breakdown and made some drastic decisions and changed my life and moved home to Strabane. Yeah. And uh, teetotal these days, don't drink anymore, and decided to sort of put my affairs in order, really, and, and really dedicate myself to what it is I want to do, which is write songs. Yeah. So what's the status with the Northern Ireland? Is it on hold? Is it ended? Is it something you've come back to? It's, it's, we're best friends. Do you know what I mean? And we love yeah. making music together. We've recently, me and him, collaborated uh, on a, one of my tracks there, Treasure Hunt, yeah. um, uh, which is on the band camp as well. Um, so it's something we're always going to be doing. We have about 10 tracks fully recorded for the Northern Light record for the album called Kingdoms. Um, they're recorded they still need mastered but that's about it but we you know it's not like anybody was waiting with bated breath for it like you know maybe, maybe yeah. yourself Christopher yeah. well, <laughs> which we know well it, if it's as good as those two tracks then well, well there's definitely there's 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 moments there's no doubt about that and we, and we work very hard on it for two years you know but just currently as I say it was more about uh, we haven't said it's not going to happen we haven't we did, we've talked about there's some days we'll maybe get text through and go do you want to put one of the songs out I was like, aye, why not? And then we don't put it out because we're like, well, it sort of deserves a proper, you know. Proper lead up. So I think maybe when the, the right time comes along, as I say, it's all done. It just maybe needs uh, two or three weeks to get the mastering done, uh, decide on artwork and stuff, and maybe think of some way to put it out. But it's, you know, as and maybe we'll get around it at some point. Yeah. And so this year you released your first solo album under your name, which was What You Do. Mm-hmm. And you, re- you released it in a strange way. The way it happened is that when I came home to Strabane, I was like, right, there's this whole list of things that I want to do, that I've said that I want to do, that I never get around to doing, because I've no discipline as a human being, you know? So I wanted to prove to myself that I could be disciplined and that I could achieve things, you know? So I was like, I'm gonna make an album. Now, I had very limited knowledge when it comes to recording. Like it was Omar that really handled all that for us, you know, and we went to Neil Calderwood to do the record and everything. But I thought, no, I'll teach myself as I do it and I'll just learn. So what I did was 
I put two tracks up in the Bandcamp, and then I was like, I'm going to make an album. And as I was typing, I typed, I'm going to release a track every week. Yeah. And it literally just split decision like that. So then it put me under pressure, you know, yeah. and it put me under a good pressure. So what I did then is, like, I had a good bunch of songs that I'd written just in the last month. I'd say maybe about eight, nine songs. But what happened then was, because I was writing so often, and I now am full-time, so I was doing it nine to five every day, I was writing a couple of songs a week. So I started to get a real kick out of writing a song on Wednesday, have it recorded, mastered, and released for seven o'clock on a Friday. It became a bit of a buzz. Maybe it was replacing the drink. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know. But, uh, and there, and to be honest with you, I think there's four, four tracks on the albums that, that were written prior to the process. Uh, the other six were written on a weekly basis. And in terms of the instruments and stuff on that album, do you play everything yourself or did you bring in people to help you on that? No, I played everything. Uh, unless it's noted, like uh, my good friend Ray McCafferty. Um, he played lead guitar on The Agreement, um, where he's exceptional and an incredible human being. He got he played on it and then we had Lauren Bird yeah. uh, on Kites. Um, now, me and Lauren didn't know each other, like at all. I invited her, I started running a songwriter's night in Straban called Spirit of the Radio after the fantastic Rush song of course, yeah. and um, <laughs> Lauren played it my first night and that's where we started to get the notes I messaged her the very next week and was like do you want to sing on my song and she came around yeah no worries and we barely knew each other like you know and uh, she just did an incredible job like you know and, and I'm glad to say that we've become quite good friends now and uh, she's now joined my band yeah. um, the Heathen Choir I think Kites is probably my favourite on the album yeah thank you very had- much it's a country song, but not a strong country song. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm thinking almost like Ward Thomas, that sound of right. sounded. It, like, it always sounds like if a, like an American country artist would get their hands on that song, uh-huh. that it would be a hit. Right. That's, that sort of thing. That, that's kind of cool, because uh, I know, because I understand this, the process of it, I can sort of, for me, uh, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. Uh, for me, it sort of comes, again, it's sort of like a pop punk song. Except, or like boxcar racer or something like that, you know, like it comes the chordal, the chord sequence and all this, but I'm finger picking it, which I suppose gives it that country sort of vibe. And then there's a, there's a, there's not a small dose of Quentin Crows in it as well, I think. So, uh, like Nogavo, I think that's probably the song, that album that reminds me the most of what you're doing in Northern Lights. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, yeah, because of the production on that as well with the electronic drums and the synths and that. Nogavo, that's very special to me. Um, Nogavo was. Uh, I will say a mountain, but it's like a large hill in uh, in Straban, Nogavo Mountain. And when I was in Glasgow, you know, I was uh, very, very lost and at a very low point in my life. And I'd been listening to the Ryan Adams song, actually, Let It Ride. And then the second verse, he's saying, you know, that's where they're going to bury me. He's on about Carolina, where he's from, you know. And that just stuck in my head, you know, and, and I was like, I like that idea, being buried and where you're from, you know. I suppose maybe in some way I was longing to go back, you know, so I wrote yeah. that song and was that, you know, as uh, when I was 18, I, I couldn't stand the place and I wanted to get out so badly. And here I am now, 32, sitting in a room, falling apart in the middle of Glasgow. And all I yearned for was to be, be back home, you know. So it's a, it's a personal song and it's really important. Yeah. And do, do you feel that the album's very different to what you've done before in terms of like song structure and what you're doing with the music? Not really. Um, moments maybe maybe I, the nice thing is uh, when you start working by yourself is you get to sort of 
do all the wee things that you know the little curiosities maybe you wanted to do before you know so like i've got my most recent prayer on it which is a piano song <clears throat> like rem's night swimming is something that is the cornerstone of fantastic songs for me so that's always been something that i you know i wanted to do um and then the acoustic songs i've always written the songs whether it be in the northern light or anything else primarily on acoustic guitar so songs like kite I've always sort of written those types of songs, but it was exciting, you know, the likes of Knock of O and Tiny Steps, the first song on the record, you know, sort of just fumble my way through the accompaniment, just, you know, see, does this sound good? Does that sound good? I'm in the mood for a flute this week. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, that was kind of cool. Like, I would like to get it mastered properly, you know, I would, but then part of me sort of like, well, it's meant to be this yeah. DIY thing. Like, I, you know, the John Frusciante homemade records that he has, yeah. um, like when he was losing his head, Neandra Ladez, usually just a t-shirt, and to record on water for 10 days. Like those are really, I think they're really cool records, you know, and they're, they don't sound great, you know what I mean? But that's, there's something about them, you know? And uh, I think it was maybe a reaction to the Northern Night thing, to be honest, because our thing was the best, get it, the most modern sounding band you possibly can, you know? And after a while I'm like, I but we're releasing one song every two years. No, yeah. I want to, the people. People need music to fall in love with, not the promise of music or one song. And here we, I know, especially in today's the way things are today, there's new stuff all the time. And if somebody's going to get invested into what you do, they need a large chunk of it, you know, to get to know you as as, as people and as a writer. Like, so I was like, no, the first thing I'm doing is I'm gonna just gonna put an album. With. And you know, warts and all. And this is me trying to make a record. So have you taken those new songs live yet? Um, well, I've been playing and doing a lot down around the Straban area uh, myself, so I've played them out myself an awful lot. But um, we started rehearsals a few weeks ago with, as I say, my um, band, so it's Darren Doherty and the Heathen Choir. Yeah. And uh, suitably pompous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone knows me well, yeah. <laughs> testament to. So we've got, uh, it's sounding really, really cool. We're doing our first show in Desi Riley's in Straban on the 14th of October. So that's going to be the launch night. We'll play the record in its entirety. And then we have a show in the Oh Yes Centre, I think it's Belfast Music Week, on the 3rd of November. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, so who have you got in the band? I think you mentioned Lauren's mm -hmm. in the band. Who else? Um, Lauren is the bass player and supreme backing vocalist and we have David Doherty uh, David's played in bands uh, in the Straban area for a long time he teaches music to unemployed people through the Pulse Centre in Straban yeah. he's one of the most <laughs> ridiculously talented people I've ever met so he's playing key keyboards, guitars, backing vocals and we also have Chris Patton Chris has been playing drums in bands for years as well he used to play in a band with my brother actually called Merdfoot uh, who were quite an influential band around the northwest you know for quite a few years so is there a lot of good music coming out of Strabant when I was talking to Lauren on the podcast not too long ago she mm. was saying there's she feels like there's something special going to be happening in Strabant in terms of musicians coming through do you feel that yeah and to be honest with you I think it's always been there and I really mean that I mean that even when I was growing up when I was 11 or 12 there was older musicians who were always very talented I think when you're from a small town and I can only speak for mine, of course, right? But the thing I noticed about when I moved to Belfast was that when you came to Belfast, everybody was in their own box. So there was punks and there was rockers and there was metalers, you know. And, you know, you were very much in that box, you know. Back home, when we were growing up, if you had long hair or played guitar, you're just happy. Like, it doesn't matter, you know. Like, they don't know what it is. So you end up liking Nirvana and Green Day and Pink Floyd and it doesn't matter. You know, it's just, you, I suppose you move a wee bit more freedom to like 
Maybe it's different now, you can sort of like anything, you know, yeah. but so I think that sort of gives it a wee bit of a unique take. But at the minute, I back home, I can tell you because I'm running the, the only sort of original music night in the town, uh, now going by five months, and the amount of talent that I've had in there is incredible. It's incredible. There's always somebody coming through. There's a, any number of people. There's a, there's a great band, they're based in Derry actually, but one of the guys is from Lifford, which is Reb Sedster band, maybe I got quite friendly with them. They're called Lost Avenue. Uh, as I say, and now, like I think what they're doing is very exciting. You know, it's uh, it reminds me a wee bit of sort of Care Dog and stuff like that. You know, uh, sort of melodic American influence. I've always leaned towards the American influence thing, even though I started off with the Oasis thing and all. I, I very quickly went to the maybe it's Tom Petty, man. Yeah, uh, I, I I bring a lot of things back to Tom Petty. I don't yeah. know, you know, but uh, I really like what them guys are doing. And in Straban, like at the moment. Uh, there's a guy Paul O'Doherty and Paul's playing he's, he does a lot of live videos and that you know you can watch a lot of stuff online he's really interesting he's coming from a place of really liking thrice and yeah. that kind of music you know and and he's doing his own thing acoustically that's really impressive and then Lauren like Lauren Bird's album's unbelievable it's, like, album. it's absolutely unbelievable and, and it's I don't know it's just it's, it's exciting I and uh, I, I think you know energy feeds energy and all the rest of it yeah. you know so the fact that she's doing that's going to influence other people in the town yeah. and all the rest of it you know so hmm. and you've got a new EP which is going to be released quite soon mm -hmm. uh, so. the, yeah that's called The Travel Companion volume one yeah uh, there <laughs> we go back ambitious. to my well that goes, that goes back to my prog my prog rock roots again so basically it's a new four track EP basically right when I, when I was making What You Do the album it felt vital okay I was trying to make myself better because I was not well. It felt like vital. I was like, I have to make this record, you know? So that to me felt like a really important reason to make music, you know, rather than just, I want to make people dance, which is fine. Like, yeah. you know, but for me, it just felt like I need a real motivating factor. And, my, and this was to, to save myself in a way, you know? So then you're wondering then, what's going to be the next thing that's that's vital, you know, that I have to write about? Like, it's always matters of the heart to come yeah. back to you, isn't it? Like, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, yeah. So this thing happened and uh, it was very intense in a very short period of time. So I wrote these songs, this bunch of songs, and I'm putting them out. Does it sound different from the album or is it, or have you decided to go down different avenues? Well, it, it, again, the, it's a wee bit eclectic. There's uh, the, the, the lead single off it's called You Were There, um, which features Lauren. And that's just, again, I, I suppose, on Summer to Kites, you know, it's that same type of song, folky, heartbroken song, you know, okay, which nice. is great. But the, the first track on it is called Little Phobia. And that's full on dan dance track, like sort of yeah. rock dance track, you know. You have all synth heavy, like, you know, it's very colourful and uh, very upbeat. It's like a mix between Angels and Airwaves. Actually, it's quite Angels and Airwaves. Now, <laughs> but it, like, and then the last song on it, the four songs are all very different. Uh, the last song is called The Art of Subtle Arrogance. And that would be, it's like a, a weird dark building song and it reminds me of sort of, of Radiohead a bit. You know, yeah. in a sort of buildy falsetto nature stuff like that, like yeah. That's good. So when will we be hearing that? I'm not exactly sure. Once the video's done, I'm going to put that out right away, and then once that's done, I just I, I want to labour over the production on this a bit more because yeah. I've done the the DIY. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, and it, it's tempting because I have no discipline <laughs> to to just put the stuff out. But no, I really want this to sound uh, a lot a lot sharper and polished. So it'll not be too long. I would say. So uh, what's next for Darren Darby? What's the next thing? What are, the, what are the plans for the future? As I was saying, I'm just going to continue having the career that I want. Do you know what I mean? Uh, which is just writing all the time. I'm going to write all the time. I, getting the band together is a massive part of it. Because 
it's not that I have a problem with being seen as an acoustic singer-songwriter guy. I don't. I, I, yeah. That's what I do primarily. But it's just very one-dimensional. I've got, uh, yeah. like, I was in all those bands doing different things for a reason because those things excite me. That's why I'm, I'm really keen on having this band yeah. uh, out live and, and you know, uh, playing. I'm hoping I'd love to play a festival next year. Yeah. You know, that's going to be really something I'd like to do because um, I feel that coming from the, the Pink Floyd background and, all, and the Tool background as well, like, uh, there's going to be a visual aspect to the show that's going to be uh, they're really going to try and work on and, yeah. and present as well but yeah just more new music yeah. try and play to loads and loads of people you know yeah. well Darren thanks a lot for coming on the podcast and if anyone wants to find out a bit more about your music how do they go about doing that um, they can get me on Facebook um, Darren DeHardy and the Heathen Choir is on Facebook um, also Bandcamp's where you can get my record uh, what you do so it's just darrendehardy.bandcamp.com also have the YouTube channel, but on Bandcamp, um, the album is all there for free. You to pay what you like. Yeah. You know what I mean. So you can spare a few. I always say, listen to it and see what you think it's worth. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to yeah. take it. You know. And the pay zero, you get email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But that's so the Bandcamp's where I, where I've got everything. You know. Okay. Well, Darren Doherty, thanks a lot for coming on board the metaphorical boat. Aye, aye. I've been the captain of the metaphorical boat, Chris McBride. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can listen to it on SoundCloud as well. And you can go to the original Metaphorical Boat blog at www.metaphoricalboat.com.